everyone, this is Lady Wood, a feminist rewatch of Deadwood. My name is Sita Sean. I am a comedy writer and stand-up comedian in Los Angeles. I'm Brandy Spirit, also a writer in LA and co-host of the Downton Gabby podcast. And I'm Lynn Sternberger, a television writer and enthusiast in Los Angeles. So today we're going to be talking about The Trial of Jack McCall. It's episode 5 of season 1, directed by Ed Bianchi and John, written by John Beluso. And if anybody was a fan of The Get Down, Ed Bianchi directed most of those episodes. So, hmm. no, it's got an interesting crossover. That is some very different content. Oh, yeah. Than Deadwood. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read out the episode summary for episode five. Swearingen transforms the gem into a courtroom as Deadwood makes its own laws to try Jack McCall. With, the, with Jane off on a bender, Trixie is enlisted by Swearingen to help Elma with the Mets child and to keep her pliable to his purpose for getting back the Garrett claim. Hickok's body is buried and Seth Bullock is determined to get revenge for his friend's murder. So it seems the central dilemma of the episode really is how are they supposed to hold somebody accountable for what seems to be murder when they don't have an actual legal system. And when some of them really don't want an actual legal <laughs> system. system. Yep. Yeah, the trial is a farce, right? Like, But the way they try to organize themselves is fascinating because you have... Our newspaper man, A.W. Merrick, searching for anyone with a law degree in the town. And it seems like there's a weird there's a number lot, of... There's a lot of lawyers, right? I was really shocked. Maybe they were like, literally, going out and searching for gold is easier than being... <laughs> or are these all attorneys who were like, on the verge of being disbarred anyway? And like, yeah. Fled town, <laughs> like, fraud charges so or something. All the best attorneys in the country have come to Deadwood. I was like, is there a correspondence school in the 1800s for being a lawyer Probably. that's why there's so many I bet there was I think it wasn't as uh, difficult to get into law school at this point it was kind of like you choose a trade and pursue it if you mm-hmm. can pay to go to the school you can become a, a lawyer that's my impression if there are any history buffs who know more about this let us know because I'm sure all five of you are listening to this podcast uh, yeah I'm going to add it to my list of things I need to research along with the lube from last time <laughs> <laughs> That's more pressing. That's honestly. way more pressing, <laughs> for sure. Um, so the gym becomes the makeshift courtroom, mostly be- I think because Al just can't stand the idea that he wouldn't be able to somehow control or influence these proceedings, right? It seemed that way to me. I mean, it did give us, uh, th- I think, the first kind of meeting between Al and Sai that is not just... I hate your guts, mm-hmm. feeling you out for what you're doing in my town. This mm-hmm. was more like a, we have to come to terms on a problem that affects both of our businesses. Yeah, you know he must be thinking that Sai has to be sort of a reluctant ally. I mean, Al lets him come out on the balcony with him to observe things. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty Al's major. Space. Yeah. <laughs> Al's panopticon. <laughs> There's a lot of observing this episode, too. I felt like there was a lot of, like, uh, watching people from that balcony in particular. Mm -hmm. Or from the interior balcony as they watched the trial Mm -hmm. quotation marks play out. Mm -hmm. Definitely Swearingen is an information gatherer. That is how he maintains his grip on this camp. Absolutely. I was just hoping for, like, a rare day off for the horse while the trial was going on, you know? They can't even get that. They can't even get that. No, because Al's offering free blowjobs to try to get the vote to go the way he wants, which is, of course... While she's deliberating. Yeah. That's the best part. (laughs) 
I call that least feminist moment. <laughs> it's not really free, you know? Like, somebody's paying that price. I appreciated that he uh, offered the judge a blowjob while they had their conversation because multitasking uh, necessary. <laughs> and, and then he had to clarify. clarify. <laughs> he wasn't offering it personally. And I was like, hmm. Maybe back in the day. Maybe back in old England. <laughs> Did what it had, what he had, what it took. He would do what it took to get the business deal closed. But not now. He has girls for that. Right. So, of course, Al wants Jack to be found innocent, right? Because the precedent that would be set by someone being found guilty of murder in Deadwood. And executed. Yeah, he's worried about sort of the chain reaction to that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it means that he thinks that he's really innocent or that he thinks... It's no big that Bill got killed, although it does solve a couple of his problems for Bill to be out of the way, right? So I just think all of that is very interesting uh, because the people of the town jump right into this process. I think they're ready to have some sort of government, and and Al has a much bigger picture kind of in his mind of of how uh, they need to play this. To me, it's confusing. I, I think after like a rewatch, I kind of understand what he's mm-hmm. saying. But basically, the idea—correct me if I'm wrong—is if they show that they have political organization within the camp, they could actually be considered enemies to the U.S. government as it is currently, and could have all of their property and belongings taken from them as the U.S. claims dominion over the territory instead mm-hmm. of incorporating the territory as like a U.S. state. Yeah, I think so. But I think he also doesn't want to become a state either. He doesn't want either of those options. Oh, I think he wants to become part of the U.S. government. But on his own terms. But, but like, yeah. while maintaining all of the um, property and uh, position that he has gained in Deadwood. It really calls into question how, like, claims actually work in any case like how do people designate like what is the governing body that says my claim is worth twelve thousand dollars and it goes from here to here like is there is there somebody managing that like are we gonna get into like a big economics thing or is this like a philosophical thing about what ownership is right (laughs) right because like it doesn't make sense that he he's thinking about property claims like it's important for him to hold on to the property claims Mm -hmm. because it's all the gold claims but surely because he made a claim in the first place that he had to made it to he had to have made it to an authority or to somebody that holds all the claims i don't think so i actually think how does that work if you get there first you can claim it situations Uh which is i think why he has control mm-hmm. of the thoroughfare and some of the land, mm-hmm. and that's why if you build the hardware something store on has it, to rent from him yeah. the, the land mm-hmm. on which to build If you improve store. it, it belongs to you, right? And yes. definitely improve by the, like, capitalistic white male definition of improve. Right. And Al was not a um, gold digger. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What <laughs> <laughs> he was not a, a prospector. He's not a prospector. That's the word I was looking for. Um, but uh, but he's more of like a, a uh, landlord. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a slumlord. It's definitely a slum currently. <laughs> it's it's like dancing along this very thin line between self governance and overstepping what a territory is 
is permitted to do according to the U.S. government. Again, historians, right? Help us. us. Let us know what context the show is just making us go without and speculate on. <laughs> well, this is also kind of reminding me of my childhood. Did anyone read the Laura Ingalls Wilder books? Oh, yeah. And yes. then I read them again as, as an adult, and I was like, holy shit, these are racist. They're so... <laughs> Like, like her father was straight. The entire Ingalls family was straight up doing illegal stuff in the mm-hmm. Indian territory. Right? Pa was just like, "Yeah, we're gonna go get Indian land because it's there." Was even like beyond what was like legal racism. Exactly. <laughs> like that entire family like, is so even fucked the up. Racist thought Pa was taking it too far. I mean, join us next week for our little <laughs> podcast <laughs> uh, where we talk about racism. Talk about Little House on the Prairie through a new uh, racism lens because that shit is not talked about. <laughs> it's always like uh, childhood whimsy and everything, but that's one of the things that I thought about was uh, how Pa just laid claim to land that wasn't his and expected things to be chill. Yeah, you know, sure, totally. And apologies for how little we know about this. We're Americans. We didn't get good high school education. <laughs> I was educated in Tennessee. That's my excuse. (laughs) We have some holes in our knowledge that we're going to fill. Totally. Um, Anyways, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. I think we all agree. We definitely all agree on that. Let's switch directions a tiny bit and talk about Trixie and Alma. Loved it! So Alma gets to meet Jane for the first Mm -hmm. time in the last episode. Now she gets to meet Trixie. It's just like such a treat when the female characters get to interact with each other. Um, Trixie shows up in her Sunday best to help take care of the little one mm-hmm. and also follow through with Al's plan to get her hooked up to a different kind of dope so that she'll self-claim, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. she's being reluctant about. I think this was a misstep, Al. You don't try to get the addict hooked onto a new thing. You try to feed them the thing that they love already. Anyways. Yeah, I don't know. His plan is a little sketchy for that reason, and also because it all hinges on Trixie doing what she's told, which we already know she usually doesn't do. Yeah. Which makes me love her so much. And actually, this is a very revelatory scene for Trixie's character because we see that she's actually wonderful with children, kind of sensible, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately decides to help Alma get clean, mm-hmm. which is like, she has nothing to gain from this. Uh, she does not know this woman. This woman owes her nothing, and if Al were to get a whiff of what she's doing, she would face somewhat severe consequences, we can assume. So it's really just backbone that she has, and, and the desire to help another woman get clean from something she personally experienced as well, drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, is it the mostly the female characters that have been taking care of like the most vulnerable uh, like uh, guest stars that have been in the show because it's it's Trixie now taking care of Alma it's Jane taking care of the little squarehead girl but later in the episode too we see Jane taking care of Andy and the entire time when she's interacting with Andy I'm like get away that's like smallpox or who the, whatever she's really drunk she's really she drunk what she's doing she knows not to pour the the water at, not for him not to put his lips yes, on the bottle. She knows that much. Whiskey bottle. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I, I definitely have two minds about this trend that mm-hmm. you're talking about because I think it represents a way for the female characters to really be involved in the various storylines and for them to mm-hmm. have 
be placed in these positions like Trixie where she has a little bit of power to manipulate the situation. Mm -hmm. But it also is, like, particularly having watched Jane take care of this girl and have almost nothing else to do for the last couple episodes, that's a little aggravating. Yes. Because it is just like, oh, women are caretakers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But we do get to see the way that different kinds of women approach being entrusted or uh, forced into these kinds of caretaking situations because... Alma does not take to it not naturally no. the way that Trixie does, yeah. right? This little girl has been walking around in, like, bloody, torn-up clothes <laughs> for how long? Yeah, and Trixie puts her in, like, an undergarment yeah. of Alma's that basically looks just like a normal dress on a little girl, and yeah. Alma's like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, why <laughs> didn't you Alma? I don't think it was just the laudanum. I think she does not know how to deal with children. I think she's very, like, self-focused. Yeah. She doesn't really mm-hmm. string together, well, that would be uncomfortable for somebody else, so I'm gonna, you know, she's just, yeah, caught up in her own little world of difficulty right. and struggle. I love that Trixie reached out to Alma because she was also a former addict and that it was something that they just gave women to take care of cramps. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you had period pain, so here's some opium. <laughs> Like, let's go back to that time. uh, Although, I have to say, the so Trixie's decision to get Alma clean, we don't know if she has a long game for that. It doesn't seem like she does. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does give us, finally, we get to witness Doc Cochran making medicine with his various (laughs) herbs. Um, So all of that stuff that's hanging from his rafters, I guess, does have a point. It's not just set dressing. (laughs) Um, We don't know what it is, but it makes some sort of brownish powder that gets mixed into tea and should help you get clean. Yeah, I don't know about that. This is yet another thing where I'm like, is there a historical medical context? (laughs) Like, what is that? They don't really explain what's in the brown powder. And Alma just takes it without really thinking about it. I don't think Alma sees that she's putting it in oh really yeah she's like dumping the powder in and clinking she's like doing the the get out tea stir (laughs) but trixie does tell alma she's gonna help her get clean i think and does alma really have a choice at this point but to trust somebody i mean if she's not gonna just leave town well let's talk about her then also finally meeting seth face to face for the first time because he is, you know, taken on her case in Bill's stead. Seth, it's worth mentioning, is is just completely dickish in this episode. He's mean towards Saul. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got a short, shorter fuse than normal, and he's not got a particularly long fuse to yeah. begin with. He sucked back his man tears from the end of the last episode, and he's turned it into man rage, and he's being just PMSy at everyone this he, whole episode. He storms in and he nearly strangles Jack. Mm-hmm. He is very close to murdering this man because I think he's convinced that Jack will not be held accountable for the the murder of Hicka. Yep. And he's and right. He, yes. Um, and Jack, I was like, is the most insightful of all of the characters because he calls him Hicka's sweetheart. And he- <laughs> agree. <laughs> Absolutely, Jack. You're right on this one. Nailed it. You ra- made the right McCall. Really nailed it. But yeah, he says, Seth says, if you weren't shackled, I would murder you. Like, I won't murder a man who's chained up, but if you were out on the street, I would murder you. But so clearly, Jane went off and got schlot? Sh- Schlacked? <laughs> no, what's the word I'm looking, trying to say? Jane went out and got uh, Sm- drunk off her ass. Yeah. And it, a bullet deals with grief differently, which is anger. But he still takes the time for a little flirtation with Alma. <laughs> which, like, this scene is 
sex. Like, they, like, look each other up and down. She's like, I saw you in the street when you shot that man, Mr. Hickok. And when he described the friend that he trusted, I imagined it was you. (laughs) She does, like, a full Marilyn Monroe, Mr. President, happy birthday voice to him. (laughs) It's just like... I thought Ooh. she was soaked up, but clearly I was no. <laughs> I think she wants to fuck. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you would want to fuck a man who's going to straighten out all your affairs, you know? Seriously, I that's really Seth's role. Poor animal, though. Like, <laughs> I imagined it was you. Like, come on, that that is sexual. Come on. Okay, Brandy. It's, it's maybe. Uh, Let's not call it transference, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I guess Alma might be the only suitable option because he's, he's already said no to the whores, the, the, the dirty ones and the clean ones. So Alma is like essentially the only option other than his wife. Who's, who's not in there. Michigan or whatever. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Unless he's got a thing for Jane that we don't know about. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to have a thing for Jane. He's safely going to say, oh, see, you just wait. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Jane falls in love? (laughs) So, anyways, that would be my most feminist moment. Not the not the hallway eye fucking movie, (laughs) but the Trixie getting Alma off the laudanum, setting her up with medicine and getting her and I know it's caring and I know it's you know, we want to see women do things Mm -hmm. other than that. But she didn't owe her shit and uh, it really endeared me toward uh, the both of them that they had yeah. together. Agreed. Yeah. To take care of each other. Uh, let's talk about that EB monologue. It's incredible. It's amazing, right? It's a, it's a full soliloquy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's talking to himself as he cleans up a blood stain on his floor, just outlining every injustice that's ever been done to him <laughs> at the hands of Al or anything else going on in the camp. I mean, yeah. What a scene. That's like really one of those full Shakespearean scenes mm-hmm. where they just embrace that kind of Leaned storytelling. In. Yeah. And it, it, I don't think it would have worked for another character other than E.B. Because E.B. is so loquacious and he, mm-hmm. he does kind of like mutter to himself and he he talks over himself a lot too. So I think like another character that scene wouldn't have worked as well for, but E.B. you could totally see him griping to himself. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. he is considering himself to be the main character in the drama anyway. <laughs> right? You can see it in the way that he dances around the room and summarizes things here and there. Like, it is all a stage play to him in some way. But it also made me think, you know, well, E.B. doesn't have uh, an equal in this camp. He has nobody that he can confide his point of view in because he's always working the angles Mm -hmm. with all of the people who have any sort of impact on his business or his making money. He's kind of, you know, in the clutches of Swearingen and maybe this way of talking is just him providing his own audience and his own, um, Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like twins that grow up speaking their own language. It's kind of like (laughs) Evie and Evie's shadow. He's got a split Um, personality. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have Trixie to go to like Dan does. There's no equal no. to Farnham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, he's probably just a little demented. I mean, there's definitely something off with, with Farnham. Um, yeah, walking around in that jacket that has holes in it. What like, is up with that ugly fucking jacket? Yes. You have to be able to afford a new jacket at least. Because he owns a hotel. 
right? Yeah. You must have enough money for a new jacket. Where do, I know that you've made some money in some scheme with Al before. <laughs> Buy a jacket. He's definitely made some money, and uh, let's not forget that he provided the connection for Cy to move into that the right. space where the... Yeah, so he must have gotten the cut, yeah. Maybe he's saving up for some big scheme that we don't know about. Maybe EB has plans. He's completely moth-eaten. It's really gross. So. Which is probably like a costumer's choice to indicate like his morality or his like. Oh, you know, absolutely! Yeah, it's great. I definitely was nerding out a little bit um, and want to do like sort of a Tom and Lorenzo style costume uh, analysis about all the different kinds of hats that the men wear. Mm. Like some of them have very tall hats, some of them have like a bowler. I'm like, I want to like research the fashion of the day and be like, how out of date is each character and who's actually like up to fashion? Mm-hmm. And then of course, Al literally never wears one. Yeah, he's just he's like timeless. He's out of he respects yeah. no man. <laughs> yeah, who's he gonna wear a hat for? Did Jesus wear a hat? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we have both a trial and a funeral, so plenty of hats on display mm-hmm. in all of those scenes. And I think uh, most notably, if EB is like disgusting, Joni's hat deserves a shout out. That oh. thing is magnificent. How is it so pristine? It's the same hat she wears when she first arrives yeah. in mm-hmm. town with that long trail on it. Oh, yeah, like the the silk ribbon that yeah. flows off of it. Mm-hmm. She's a fancy lady. She has her own little feminist moment when she decides she's going to go to the funeral. And Sai kind of stops her and is like, oh, you weren't asking permission? And she just looks at him and then walks out. Yeah. Well, she's like, no, wasn't I was not permission. asking permission. Yeah. What about that scene when she's like washing her hookers? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the hooker. Let's talk She is bathing her prostitute employees mm-hmm. and then makes out with one of them. As yeah, I watch us. Fight. Like, just uh-huh. because she's like, oh, you're watching? Let me make out with a woman. So I guess the implication is Sai has a thing for Joni, and Joni likes women. <laughs> but she's also using a it's woman. It's a total power play. So it's yeah. hard to take it apart and see what her what her actual motivation is in that moment, except for a fuck you. Yeah, it's a very fuck you, but then it's also kind of disappointing because she's just, like, using this other woman as a prop. Right. I think she's saying, like, I'm kind of a man. Yeah, right. Respect me the way that you would respect other people who make choices to do what they want because I hold that same position. Right. But this is not what we want from a lean-in style movement. We do not want She's not leaning in. (laughs) No, she's taking power for herself because she also has to distinguish herself from the whores. Like, she can't be seen as one of them. Uh, I mean, this is the kind of power you're working with back then. Like, if you're eighties feminism, yeah, this is like very exclusionary. Pads, <laughs> snorting coke, yeah, that's her version of feminism. Right? <laughs> she's not. She's not going to uplift anybody. <laughs> Let's she's get not that. Bringing anybody with her, she's just trying to get into the boys' club. Mm-hmm. I know, but it's just like that's not. To remind myself that we're 150 years in the yeah. past here. <laughs> we're also at the beginning of character arcs. We are just getting to know Joni. So, mm-hmm. clearly she'll have a journey the same way Bullock will. Right, um, right. So on and so forth. I wanted to ask everybody at this point in the series, we've spent five hours with these people, uh, which Deadwood character uh, are you? Which Deadwood character? I, I'm a Saul. <laughs> I'm a Saul. <laughs> I agree with Brandy that she's a Saul. <laughs> but I think 
think you also like your your funny like stall is and uh, keep your nose out of it most of the time. <laughs> but I would say that like I've seen you get heated over things you're passionate about. Mm. So I would say you have a touch of bullock. Oh yeah, I could have some bullock rage for sure. I, I could be their little love child. Yeah. I got like half and half. I think. <laughs> I I wish I were either Jody or Calamity, but in fact I'm all love. <laughs> Just uh, dealing with it through dope. All uh, before or after she gets a little agency here. I'm going to say after. Through <laughs> after. Uh, I'm not just chugging laudanum uh, in a hotel <laughs> or, 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 or anything. But uh, I, I think I'm a complicated woman. So uh, definitely, all right. definitely, definitely more Alma. I guess as the only Asian person, I'd be like the Chinaman. No, no. <laughs> yeah, if it's a guy, you could be anything. Yeah. Um... I, I feel closer to Calamity. Like, I really do. I just feel like her sort of outbursts and her, like, uh, fa- uh, like railing at injustices and not knowing what to say at the right moments. Yeah. Like, it's I true to see that you can... always show up drunk and crying. <laughs> with, a bit, with a square head. <laughs> but she's also loyal and mm-hmm. she's got some good comic relief. You know. Yeah, I think I think the comedy is sort of what I relate to calamity too. I, I see that part of her, and like I grew up very tomboyish, so I think that's okay. uh, that's the other thing. We've got a pretty right. rounded out cast here. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I do think that uh, we got some excellent calamity in this episode as she was caring for Andy. Oh my God. When she walks in the body and just yells, Are you dead? <laughs> so funny. What kind of response are you or, or working how about for? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> when he's apologizing. He's you. delusional and he just keeps saying, I apologize <laughs> I over. apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, that, that scene is genius. It's just like... It's hysterical. I also like how she went to go get him water and uh, got distracted and attended all the <laughs> And then came retired. back. But, then, but, like, that's pretty good for a really drunk person. Mm-hmm. She still accomplished the She mission. remembered that she had to come back. But, I mean, that means she wasn't planning to go to the funeral. Mm-hmm. Right? It's pretty sad. She didn't even know what was happening, it seems like. She's been off wandering the woods getting wasted. While Bullock has been arranging for the uh, coffin and mm-hmm. the burial and um, begrudgingly talking to the priest, the minister. The reverend. Oh, yeah. he's so mean to the reverend. I think Seth really has no space for religion. and He seems to like almost literally hate God. And so it's just kind of like, what happened to you in the past? <laughs> that like, mere talk of what him to do at the funeral is like bringing up some kind of trigger for you. Well, he said something interesting that I didn't know what it really meant, but like in that conversation last episode, he said the only nickname he ever got was Sloth, and it was going to be one of the seven sins. Yeah. And that's the one that they went. And I was like, who called him this? Was he in the care of like a religious institution? Mm. And that's why it was like religious or more his parents religious. But and I love that the Jew is the one who knows the Bible. He says <laughs> <laughs> yes, Corinthians is suitable. Thank you, Minister. <laughs> well, so I mean, I think Seth feels uh, like when the the minister was giving the eulogy, he felt like he was blaming him. Is that the impression? That you got that the the priest that his monologue kind of blamed everyone like my part is your part. I was honestly so confused by the parts. Uh, yeah, I was confused by the parts too. I think he too. was mad because it's sort of supposed to. What my takeaway was, it's like God has a plan. We're mm-hmm. all part of God's plan. He says a line in there about like I follow God's uh, mission, even though I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And I think Seth is offended by the idea that 
that this senseless murder had any meaning in any mm. sense. That's the Reverend has definitely man. seen some shit, right? Like, he, yeah, he mentions that he's been on very bloody <clears throat> battlefields, and he's he, and he doesn't understand. He, and I think he's a, a pacifist, um, but he's a pacifist in one of the goriest, bloodiest places on earth at this time. Yeah. Um, and also, interestingly, oh, Saul mentions that the the Reverend looks pale to him. Mm-hmm. And we Uh-oh. see him have a seizure. Right. So is that related to Andy's illness, or is this something else entirely? Because I don't think that those two have interacted, but... He also looked like a like a epileptic seizure mm-hmm. or something. It didn't look like a disease seizure. I mean, I don't know that many <clears throat> like infectious diseases that cause seizures, but right. I have a limited not working knowledge of frontier illness. <laughs> there's, some, there's some medical stuff going down. Yeah. Doc Cochran's going to be kept busy, I can assume. I get that impression. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> that also brings up the interesting point when Doc Cochran goes to Cy and tells him that because he bought this disease in the town in the form of Andy, that he should send someone to the nearby fort to bring back the vaccine and that's when we get into the whole discussion of nebraska pussy which was literally not a thing ever <laughs> i love how cy brings eddie into like back him up in this mm-hmm. like oh nebraska pussy and eddie's like oh yeah best best i don't even remember last time i had pussy that good and he's such a yes man like he just knows <laughs> like he doesn't even know what the conversation is and he just knows to agree and go with it i also think he's gay like, <laughs> i read eddie as 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 queer and i it's interesting because we haven't tackled that in their universe really at all. Like, it's not a conversation. Um, He's definitely not leering at the women the way that a lot of yeah. other men are. It would make sense that there would be a queer community in Deadwood, too, because, like, the... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it would, because... The... Gay lesbian center. And... <laughs> LGBTQ. <laughs> outreach but like in in sort of the history of america like uh homosexuals and homosexual activities have always been sort of on the fringes of where wherever it is uh outside of the mainstream so they were happening on pirate ships or on in like <laughs> tenement houses or in this case deadwood a place with no laws so there's no reason that heterosexuality would have to be some sort of dominant thing here. Probably quite a few homosexuals in Deadwood. I think it's like very compulsory heterosexuality at this point because of the the gender roles Mm -hmm. and no subversion of gender roles would be tolerated really. And I mean, it's interesting, they know gayness exists because Mm -hmm. Jack McCall in fact teases Bullock that Mm -hmm. like, he puts his penis in the other man's butthole or whatever. (laughs) I mean, so there's like a rudimentary understanding of gay sex. Like, but it's derided. But it's yeah. But but during this time, there wasn't this understanding that like, like that if you were in involved in a homosexual activity, that you were automatically gay. There the labels didn't apply in the same way. It was more like this is like a. I, I'm just taking this from um uh, uh, Jeffrey Chaucer's Gay New York because in his like understanding of uh, early American sexuality. It was that these activities were not accepted, but everyone knew about it. And there weren't necessarily designated roles for people as queers. Mm-hmm. They were. It was more like, we know this happens. It's like we're alone in the night with no women around, so we might as well snuggle our penises. <laughs> I mean, 
that's that's pretty much that. That's like a pretty good uh, like metaphor <laughs> for what's happening. If Al thought he could make a buck on that, he probably would. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, a Johnny, specialty act. Now listen, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm just got some things and just go along with it. Uh, I don't think Eddie's gonna find love in Deadwood. No, I don't I think he's gonna that. find love. <laughs> <laughs> he might find some dick though. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't think Edward's really choosing to explore yet, although Joni kissing women does mm-hmm. raise the question, so maybe maybe down the line. So we end the episode with Seth sort of reluctantly going to chase down Jack McCall. I think part of his anger comes from feeling this obligation to do this thing, to avenge his friend, but then to sort of take up the mantle of justice giver in a way that he really wanted to give up when he came to town, and that seems to be haunting him at every step no matter what completely but it's also super cute i just have to say <laughs> he's getting dressed and he's like saul will you pack up my bag so i can get out of here faster and saul's like don't forget your your, <laughs> your suspenders. Oh, suspenders and he's like oh my suspenders huff, huff. On. over his vest that's not how you wear suspenders <laughs> It's, it's, a very, it's a real moment. Like, I'm sure we've all experienced that where you're so angry about something that some stupid shit like the suspenders makes you just, like, absolutely freak yes. out. Yeah. And you're just like, everything is terrible. <laughs> and Saul packs his bag for him? How cute is that? That was adorable. So that's where the episode leads off. And I guess next week we'll find out whether he catches up to Jack or not. Yeah, fingers crossed. So listen in next week. Thank you for uh, watching along with us. Leave us comments or find us on Twitter at LadyWoodCast if you want to engage us in some of the uh, conversation that we've been having about these episodes. Also, if you know some of the information that we're lacking and are curious about. Are you a historian? Or do you just want to tell us which Deadwood character you are? Do you just know a lot about hats? Yes. Uh, When you want to know. Historical milliners. Please write in. Also historical lube experts. Experts, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And until next week, I am Lynn Sternberger. You can find me on Twitter at Lynn Sternberger. I'm Brandy Sperry. You can find me on Twitter at WeBrandy, O-U-I-B-R-A-N-D-I. I'm Sita Shaw. You can find me at Twitter at S-L-O-B-E-A-R. Thanks, guys. Ta. 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 Life is too short to waste all your time. Running too quickly to the finish line. Time is a trap, it's ready and set. And the longer you live, the closer you get to be. Go, gone like the evening sun. The sun when it sets. Go. Darkness, a dark